Today on Cross Defense, we're talking about spiritual warfare, poop brownies, a bad statement we hear far too often around the church. You know the one, something about, well, at least he's going to church. I'm just glad he's going to church. We also hear Reverend Lynn Hubbard's open confession that he likes keeping the company of demons. And then we hear Reverend CFW Walther encourage us to flee from the likes of such false teachers. Plus, two listeners who originally disagreed with my teaching have emailed in follow-up messages to my on-air responses to their criticisms. All of that and more is coming up right now, right here on Cross Defense. Friends, if you followed this show since we came back on the air in July of 2022, you may remember certain episodes where we discussed the criticisms and even insults that I've received as a pastor. Today, I have the joy of sharing with you two emails I received from critics after they heard my on-air response to their comments. Stick around at the end of the show to hear how truth wins the day. It's a spectacular thing. In the meantime, you've tuned in to Cross Defense. This is the show that aims to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, and aims to do all of that with God's Word. I'm your host, the honored, the privileged, the humbled, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church out here in Ferndale, California, where, get this, my friends, get this, none of us think pagans, heretics, and or demons make for good company. And when we hear a so-called Christian pastor say it is, well, our hearts hurt for everyone following his teaching. More on that in a minute. But first, if during the course of the show you want to send us your comments, your questions, your bits of biblical brilliance, because we do know you got them, well, we'd love to hear from you. So go to stmarksferndale.com slash contact. That's S-T-M-A-R-K-S, ferndale.com slash contact contact and drop us a line we'd really appreciate hearing from you it is always a joy to get your comments and your questions and your bits of biblical brilliance here on this show and if you want to share the show with i don't know a friend especially a friend that uh, happens to go to a wayward church well we wouldn't mind if you did that either so help us defend christians with the cross of christ guys help us out we really appreciate it now, on St. Mark's observation of Reformation Day, here at St. Mark, when we observe Reformation Day, I preached a sermon where I used the armor of God imagery from Ephesians 6, expressed in a modern warfare kind of way, a spec ops kind of way, to talk about repentance and the spiritual battle that we're in as Christians. And I've been thinking about it ever since, because it doesn't escape my attention that for many, maybe even most Western Christians, that today when we hear of spiritual war, when we hear that talk, we really have to work hard to keep our minds from thinking that it's not real war. See, we're such materialists in our day and age that when we hear of spiritual things, it registers in our minds as fanciful things, fanciful in imagery, descriptive language, describing maybe emotions or maybe thoughts, 
things that we know are, are part of our physical reality. We don't grasp the reality of demons and angels, of Satan, or, or even the Holy Spirit, even though as Christians we talk about the Holy Spirit quite a bit. And we talk about Satan quite a bit, and demons, and angels, actually. We talk about these all the time, but they seem to, practically speaking, be compartmentalized into maybe make-believe, pretend, or even just descriptors. And so, we end up being like smokers, vapors, who don't really believe what they hear about what smoking or vaping does to their bodies because they can't readily see the cause and effect. And so they dismiss it. They put it out of mind. They hear it. It registers, but it's not real to them until it's too late. Or another example might be uh, sugar-addicted Americans who don't grasp what it means that if we don't lay off the sugar, when we're pre-diabetic, we could become diabetic. See, it doesn't seem to have any immediate effect on on that sugar, sweet-tooth American, that sugar-loving, sweet-tooth American, that his eating habits are actually making him unhealthy. That if he doesn't change his lifestyle, if he doesn't change those eating habits, he will eventually develop diabetes, which could be avoided if only he would have some discipline and have some some, uh, depth of thought and engage the reality as reality. He ends up learning the hard way. We learn the hard way because we hear the warnings, but we're not, uh, not, not so much unable, but we're, we're not believing. We're not willing to take those warnings seriously. We're unwilling. We're unbelieving. Because ultimately, we lack the depth of thought to grasp that these very real things happen as a result of our very real eating habits. Even though we can't see them at the moment that they're happening, we can't see it happening to us at the moment, it's still there. We, we can't grasp that. This is Even if we're not pre-diabetic or diabetic, this is how we all gain weight, isn't it? What's one more cookie really going to do to me? I love cookies. What's one more? I got three in my hand. Why not four? And then I start thinking about calories. And I start thinking about my waistline, my belt, how I can't get my belt to tighten anymore. But what's really one more going to do? But then you look in the mirror and you see what it did. You see what it and every other calorie you consumed did. Every calorie you consumed in denial <laughs> that it was bad for you, right? It catches up to you. We do this very same thing with our spiritual behavior. If it's, if it's hard to, to get a pre-diabetic to quit eating junk food or a smoker to quit smoking, how much harder do you think it is to motivate a Christian who's sitting under a false teacher to leave that pulpit and to find a faithful church? If the addictive power of nicotine or sugar is strong enough to control our minds and and direct our behaviors, 
Well, then how about the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places? The thought of spiritual armor for our participation in the spiritual war that's underway, it led me back to Reverend C.F.W. Walther's work on the church and the office of the ministry. I think I've mentioned this, this work on the show before, although it's probably been a while. And it, it specifically led me to thesis eight of that volume. And this is where we read, every believer is bound at the peril of losing his salvation to flee all false teachers. Avoid all heterodox, not heretic, heterodox congregations or sects and confess and adhere to orthodox, small o, faithful congregations and their orthodox, faithful preachers, wherever such may be found. Now think about this wise instruction from this faithful, dead Lutheran theologian telling us to flee heterodox teachers, and and not just heretical teachers. I want to drive that point home. Heterodox teachers and the congregations that they're in. These would be congregations that still proclaim Christ, that you would still say are Christian. They're not out-and-out heretics, but that they're doing or saying something false, something wrong, something of a, of a different opinion, not the right opinion, not the straight opinion. We're talking orthodox, the, the straight praise, the straight opinion, versus heterodox, the different praise, the different opinion, the different doctrine, versus the right doctrine. These would be churches like Roman Catholic churches, right? They still believe in Christ. They still believe in the Trinity. They still uh, have the sacraments, although they've added to them. (laughs) But they still have the core, and so you wouldn't say they're not Christian. You would say they're not Orthodox Christian. This would also be all of our American evangelical churches today, that so many Lutherans wish their stuffy old faithful Lutheran church would take a few notes from, if we're being honest, right? The churches that deny the real presence of Christ's body and blood in Holy Communion. The churches who don't baptize babies, who thereby are are stating that not all people are sinful, not all people need to have their sins washed away. These are churches who don't preach the law in its sternness and the sweetness of the gospel. This is your, your Assemblies of God church and your Calvary Chapel church. This is, this is your community church and your, your Methodist churches, your Nazarene churches, all of your Anglican, Episcopalian churches. This would be your Presbyterian churches and your Evangelical Lutheran Church in America churches. All your Baptist churches and, and those movie theaters, storefront, name the niche, breakaway, we just preach Jesus, nothing but Jesus churches. This is your Christian bookstore churches, your 700 club churches, your CBN tuning into churches. This is, this is the prosperity gospel churches. All of these churches where you can still find Christians, you would still there say they believe in Christ but they're not teaching it according to the historic Orthodox 
faith. They have interjected a different teaching along with the truth. Reverend Walther, a faithful Christian officer in the church militant, says, every believer is bound at the peril of losing his salvation to flee all false teachers, avoid all heterodox congregations or sects, and confess and adhere to orthodox congregations and their orthodox preachers, wherever such may be found. Let's just take a minute and pause on that for a moment, because we are again talking not about heresies and heretical teaching. That's At this point in Thesis 8, that's just a given. It's a given that you avoid that. It's a given that a Christian's not going to a Buddhist church, or whatever they call themselves. It's a, it's a given that, that Christians aren't going to the, the Mormon ward. It's a given that Christians aren't going along with Jehovah Witness lies or, or with uh, Scientology, all the, the heretics and, the, and the, the Unitarians and things like this. Okay, That's a given. It's a given that we're not Muslim. It's a given that we're not Jediists or whatever it may be. That we're not just following some fake heretical teaching, false, out-and-out false teaching. This is saying that Christians should be so spiritually minded about the spiritual war that we're in that we even flee from the the Christian churches that have introduced a novel teaching, something different, something heterodox, a different doctrine, a different opinion is what that word really means different from the orthodox, the straight biblical opinion. So now contrast that with with all the times that you've heard someone at your church say, well, you know, I'm just glad that so-and-so is still going to church. And you know how this conversation goes. You're talking about a a one-time member of the church, someone who used to come to your church. He's no longer attending Maybe he's, he's been gone for a while. Maybe he's been AWOL for quite a while, MIA, and no one really knows if, if he believes in Jesus anymore. Who knows? But then, but then someone noticed or someone heard that he started going to that cool non-denominational church over there with all the, you know, the one with all the youth programs, that one that has that really cool, relatable husband-wife pastor team. He's going there now, and, and so someone tries to add a little comfort to the conversation as everyone's lamenting that he's, he's not there at the faithful church where you guys are, where you're down to about 30 people or so, and it's been declining because you know the truth isn't relevant anymore. It's not cool or hip anymore. And so everybody's kind of poking themselves in the eye, and oh, woe was us, and we wish he was here, but at least he's still in church. Maybe you've even been the one to say it, Christian. Maybe it's been your kid or your grandkid in question. I mean, the stories of of lapsed Lutherans abound. Almost everybody has a, I used to be a Lutheran once story in their family. It's the consolation prize that every lukewarm Lutheran gives himself. I'm just glad so-and-so is sitting under that false teacher over there because that false teacher at least comes in the name of Jesus. There's a veneer of Christianity over there, which is usually rendered in the much more palatable, I'm just glad he's going to a church. Why? <laughs> Why 
Do we say that in sanity? That's ludicrous to say that. And I'll tell you why. I asked the question, I'll give you the answer. Because we're an army, an army of soldiers that has lost its discipline. We're soldiers who've forgotten that we're soldiers. We've become so complacent, so comfortable in our modern, in our modern Western age, our, our very spoiled and, and just saturated and apathetic age. We're saturated in goodness and, and blessings and peace and, and all the, the material comforts that we've had we have that, that we've, we've gone native is what we have. We've gone native. That's why. We don't realize what's at stake and what's going on spiritually. Or if you don't like the Bible's military language, because warfare makes you squeamish, and you don't want to think about Christians, peaceful, loving Christians being militant, even though that's historically what the church in this era has been called, we are the church militant. How about this? The why is because we're all a bunch of pre-diabetics. And we're just glad that so-and-so took a slightly less sugary donut than the other donut options in the donut box. I have an idea. How about no donuts for the pre-diabetic? I mean, I actually think no donuts, donuts for somebody who is about to become a diabetic would be better than a slightly less sugary option. But why go to diabetics? I prefer the Bible's language. How about we don't take comfort in a soldier who chooses to fight in the spiritual war with only part of his armor on, or none of it, as the case may be? Can you picture it? A group of moms, grandmas, are having a a conversation around the coffee pot. There's that nice grandpa, too, I suppose. And they're talking about one of their kids or grandkids. He's been shipped off to war, yeah? And someone says, yeah, isn't he uh, shipping out with that one battalion? Which battalion? Which one? Well, you know, the one, the, the one where that sergeant, he doesn't let any of his soldiers wear a helmet or even chest plates. You know, the one, the one who thinks it bogs him down, it slows him down, and he doesn't want him to have the armor on. Hmm. It's silent for a moment around the coffee pot, nothing but sips of coffee, and then someone says, oh, well, I'm just glad he's in a battalion. Really? What kind of cold, heartless human beings are we? Why do we say we're just glad our loved ones are going to church when we know that the church they're going to is leading them astray? It's putting their souls at peril. We'll continue to answer that question right after this break. Don't go away. You're listening to Cross Defense. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Why do we say we're just glad our loved ones are 
at least going to a church. Even though we know that what they're doing could risk their eternal salvation. Why do, we, why do we say that out loud? Why do we voice that to other Christians that they might say it about their loved ones someday? Because we don't have the capacity to think it through at such depth. Because we're simple-minded today. Or, if that's not the answer, because we're longing to deceive ourselves about so-and-so, about our loved one. We're longing for someone to please confirm what I want to be true. Tell me it's good that so-and-so is going to any old church rather than to no church. We say stuff like this not because it's true, but because it makes us feel better. That's why. It helps us sleep at night if we fool ourselves into thinking, well, he's not... It's not bad that he's sitting over there under that teaching. At least he's, he's being taught something in the name of Jesus. Well, that's what false prophets do, guys. They come in the name of Jesus. They don't come saying, Jesus is horrible. Let me lead you astray. False prophets come saying, yeah, let me give you some lip service about Jesus and then teach you something else. But it doesn't make me feel better. And it shouldn't make you feel better either, Christian. And it's not just because I'm a pastor, although I can tell you that it doesn't make your pastor feel better either. Unless, of course, your pastor is squishy and has already turned your Lutheran parish into just another one of the the wayward pop American evangelical churches out there that teach moral therapeutic deism rather than Christianity, one of these other churches that's just like all those others I listed, heterodox in teaching, only orthodox in name. Yeah, guys, we have to admit, we have soft pastors in the LCMS too. Unfortunately, that's the reality. Which is why, I think, is why Walther says congregations or sects. He's not just talking about different denominations. He's talking about even within our own congregations. If you discover that you're sitting under a bad teacher, you get best get out of there and find a good one. But why does someone's lukewarm disposition toward God make us feel better? Why would it make us feel better at all? Because that's what it is, isn't it? If someone once attended your faithful biblical confessional Lutheran church and then stopped, he went from hot to cold, right? So why would recognizing that he's now attending a heterodox church where we would say he is lukewarm make anyone feel better? Well, because, Pastor, at least he's still getting the word. You got to admit it's better than not getting the word, right? No. (laughs) No, I don't. I got a question for your question. Have you forgotten, dear saints, the Lord's message to the church of Laodicea, Revelation 3, 15 and 16? I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So here's your question, for your question. Is lukewarm better than cold? Is getting God's word 
mixed in with false teaching better than not getting God's word at all? I'm not convinced. I'm going to let a wayward pastor prove my position in just a minute. But first, let me say that we, and by we I mean faithful Orthodox Christian churches, and and indeed I personally, fully acknowledge the truth that St. Hilary so memorably stated during the Arian controversy. He said, often the ears of the hearers are purer than the lips of the teachers. Christians do exist in heterodox churches and even among the sects. It's true, absolutely, undeniably. Walther taught this too. Of course he did. It's what Scripture teaches. After all, St. Paul addressed one of his letters to the churches of Galatia, right? Galatians 1-2. In those Galatian fellowships that had been led astray from Christ, led away from the Lord by false teachers, there remained true believers. We learn this from reading the book of Galatians. Or how about Revelation 2, 19-24? I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Theatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. So yes, make no mistake, there are Christians sitting under false teachers. And yes, there is a, a certain sense of comfort that, that this gives us as we ponder the grace of God. But that doesn't mean we find comfort in a Christian being fed by false teachers. What a risk is that? Unavoidable risk. The complete form of that eighth thesis of Reverend Walther's that I've quoted It reads this way, although God gathers for himself a holy church of elect at a place where his word is not taught in its complete purity and the sacraments are not administered altogether according to the institution of Jesus Christ, if only God's word and the sacraments are not denied entirely, but both essentially remain, nevertheless, every believer is bound at the peril of losing his salvation, to flee all false teachers, avoid all heterodox congregations or sects, and confess and adhere to orthodox congregations and their orthodox preachers, wherever such may be found. Just because a Christian can eat a brownie mixed with a little dog poop, that doesn't mean that we should find comfort that, well, he's getting some chocolate at least. 
No, no. What should we be thinking? What should we be praying this Christian would have? What should we be saying to our our fellow Lutherans at church when so-and-so comes up at the coffee pot? Our position should be that that person should stop eating poop-poisoned brownies, right? And receive only pure chocolate brownies. I'm just glad so-and-so is attending church. So what if his pastor is feeding him all kinds of lies? At least it's in the name of Jesus. No, that makes everything worse. That statement should never come out of our mouths at church. We shouldn't be saying that because then we encourage others to think that way. We become false teachers in a way where we're leading people down a a bad path thought process. We're we're influencing our Christian peers to think, well, yeah, I guess it is. It is better that he's going to that church over there rather than not going to a church at all. No. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. He is receiving, whoever this he is, this so-and-so Christian, he is receiving poison in and with that chocolate brownie. Would you eat, would you give your child a brownie corrupted with any fecal matter? If you could help it, if you knew there was poop mixed in with that brownie mix, would you still give that to your kid? No. So why would we say, well, at least so-and-so's grandkid is going to church. It may not be a Lutheran church. We always always like to add that little caveat, right? It may not be a Lutheran church, but at least he's going to a church. No. No. And get this too, know this. The false teachers out there where so-and-so Christian is is attending, they aren't going to say this. They're not going to take this line. They're not going to try to be hard and fast with things. They're not going to see that the the better alternative is no dog poop. They want to gather as many of Christ's sheep as they can to fill their churches. They do so not by holding fast to truth, not by daring to be who they claim to be, not by on the sign out front, right? Not by flying their banner and making a confession and holding to that confession as it's formed by scripture, but by compromising the truth, making their statements vague and marrying the truth to lies. And as soon as the truth comes into the presence of lies, if it does not reject the lie, it becomes a lie itself. The dog poop ruins the entire brownie. Now this article, this article I want to read to you was published in all the major media outlets here in Humboldt County. It was in all of the the major news sources. It came out sometime around the week of August 17th, 2023. And it was it was written by Reverend Dr. Lynn Hubbard. We've heard about him on this show before. With a byline that says he's half of the husband-wife pastoral team at Grace Good Shepherd Church and slash Abbey of the Redwoods, an interfaith spiritual community in McKinleyville. Now, he has said publicly, Reverend 
Dr. Lynn Hubbard, that he was raised LCMS, and he rejected it. And he, he gives thanks to God, he says, that he's no longer among us, or something to this effect. You could listen to the sermon where he said that. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. He is an ELCA pastor. And this article is titled, A Heretic Reflects on Spiritual Compassion. This is what he says. Last month, I happened on an article in the Times Standard headlined, Pastor Cites Violent Tale and Written by Sage Alexander. The article was about Tyrell Bramwell, the controversial anti-gay pastor of St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Ferndale. The article referenced a monthly periodical produced by Bramwell called The Ferndale Fortitude, so I decided to look the publication up online. Eventually, my inquiries led me to Bramwell's website. And by Bramwell's website, I think he means stmarksferndale.com, where, much to my surprise, I found a picture of myself and an hour and 18-minute rant on a homily I had given the previous June at Our Savior's Lutheran Church, also in Ferndale. And what he calls a rant, dear saints, I would call a sermon review. So I want to know, you tell me, guys, I'm going to leave a link to the sermon review. This is the link I'm going to leave in the show notes. And and you tell me, would you call it a rant or would you call it a sermon review where, yes, of course, the holder of truth, the servant of Christ is upset when someone like this, bearing the name of Jesus, blasphemes the Lord's name. You let me know. The video, rant, examined every statement of my homily with commentary and biblical proof texting from Reverend Bramwell. Sorry to interrupt again, but by proof texting, he means comparing what he preached in the name of God to the word of God. In my homily, Reverend Hubbard continues, I had quoted the Islamic poet Rumi. I had spoken in favor of LGBTQ plus rights and also made favorable comments on Native American spirituality. This prompted an emotional and visceral reaction from Pastor Bramwell. To make a long story short, he accused me of being an apostate, heretical, a false prophet, a pagan, poisonous, the devil, and the Antichrist. The Antichrist? Uh, No, I'm pretty sure I said an Antichrist, but yeah, you are that all day long. In response to these hurtful and slanderous remarks, allow me to share the following reflections which I hope portray a more rational and compassionate understanding of religion. Notice the position that this false teacher takes. He's positioning himself into the role of compassionate and understanding. And this, he says, is more rational than whatever I'm presenting. The the opposite, right? The other. (laughs) Now, we've already referenced Revelation 2. But guys, let's go there again for a second before we move on. This time, let's take a look at the letter to Pergamum. Revelation 2, we're starting at verse 12, going to verse 17. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name. And you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. 
you have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. All right, so with that in mind, hold on to that for a minute. We're going to take a break. And when we get back, we'll continue with Reverend Dr. Lynn Hubbard and what he has to say about living and working with Native Americans. You're listening to Cross Defense. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Cross Defense. We're reading from an article where Reverend Dr. Lynn Hubbard of the ELCA is trying to convince us that it's good to eat brownies mixed with dog poop. In more or less, not that many words, but you know what I'm saying. In working and living in community, he says, with Native American peoples, I've learned some simple truths. I've learned that spiritual wisdom is not the sole possession of any one person, but rather spiritual wisdom is the recognition of the multicultural and dialogical nature of truth. It's the opening of the heart and mind to the genius and insight of the quote-unquote other. To which, when we were reviewing this in Bible study, talking about syncretism, because we had a ready example of it, one of the members of the church here at St. Mark said, but not the other, not the genius and insight of the other, if his name's Reverend Bramwell (laughs) or any faithful Christian here in Humboldt County, right? When we speak, no, 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 you don't take in the genius and insight of the faithful Christian. It's just all the other symbols on the coexist bumper sticker, right? Yeah, exactly. We continue with Reverend Hubbard. It's a belief that truth will be found within the collective wisdom of our shared religious experiences. Oh, puke. And not solely the possession of one particular tribal or cultural revelation. So, Reverend Hubbard, Jesus alone isn't the truth, eh? The specific, special revelation of God in the man Jesus Christ, that that there isn't any other way to the Father except through him. He's the only person the only way, the truth, the life, the only way to the Father. That's not true? That's what you're saying? I mean, it sounds like we have no more brownie left in this concoction of yours. It sounds like you've pulled out every little bit of pure chocolate and we are left with the brown dog poop of your syncretistic, culturalistic junk. (laughs) 
I don't want anybody eating from your from your pulpit. You're offering them brownies, and they're not brownies. Now he continues. One of the unfortunate dynamics of contemporary American culture is the rise of extreme right-wing political ideologies. These beliefs seem to go hand-in-hand, he says, with various forms of religious fundamentalism characterized by an intolerance and contempt for non-Christian religions. Wouldn't you say, Reverend Hubbard, that you have an a, uh, intolerance and contempt for my Christian religion? The Christian religion? The one that doesn't like to mix itself, can't indeed mix itself if it remains truth, if it remains true to God's word, true to Jesus' commandment and instruction? Don't you have an intolerance toward a church that says there is but one way to the Father? Maybe you could talk with one of my members here one of the wonderful members here at St. Mark who could teach you a thing or two about the law of non-contradiction. It's pretty simple to grasp, and he has a really good way of talking about it that you could probably pick up a thing or two, and it would help you the next time you write a hit piece against me. In these communities, Reverend Hubbard says, being a religious person has become synonymous with towing the party line, believing certain things, thinking certain things, having right thoughts. Of course we believe certain things. Of course you think certain things. You do too. Every false teacher does. What you think, the certain thing you think, is that Jesus wasn't serious when he said he is the only way to the Father. You think he was playing fast and loose. You think he's soft and and plushy. You think that Aslan is a tame lion. While he may be a good lion, he's not a tame lion. Although I did see on your website, you and your wife prefer Joseph Campbell over C.S. Lewis, which also declares a thing or two about you. But you think something certain is the point. Every false teacher does. Every teacher does. Every person does. And we are to strive to teach, to have, to teach right things and, and to have people hear right things. And, and I am to strive to have right things thoughts. Maybe you would call this an emotional and visceral reaction. Sorry, I can't help myself. In the face of such outright lies in the name of Jesus, a man who bears the cloth, the same stole that I wear, it disgusts me that you would serve up dog poop to anybody who is coming to Jesus looking for hope and comfort, looking for truth, and they get your puke, your filth, your fecal matter. Yeah, so indulge me a little, if you would. If I have a little bit of humanity in my heart for those who are actually looking to to think certain things, to believe certain things, to have right thoughts, straight thoughts, orthodox thoughts, and not, well, yours aren't even heterodox. Yours are heretical thoughts. Back to... uh, this, whatever you want to call this, confession of guilt. Many religious people are stuck at that level, Reverend Hubbard says. Unlike him, who's you know been enlightened to an advanced level. Unless you believe exactly as they do, you are wrong in their eyes. <laughs> this 
is called objective truth. There's a thing out there. There is right and wrong. Yeah. And in the not-too-distant past, they would have felt justified in killing you for that. Now, that's a hard left turn, isn't it? This is a dehumanizing factor where now you're putting me and putting anybody who holds to truth in the line of, what, the the Inquisition or uh, Salem Witch Trials? Oh, what are you referring to here, Doc? But you make a correlation that's only not only false, wildly reckless, but it's not true. It's just not true, guy. It's just not true. Regrettably, he says, we live in an age of religious bigotry. We live with religious institutions whose level of religious consciousness is often defined by their inability to appreciate or even understand the language of poetry. What is this guy go? You mean the Islamic poetry like Rumi? Yeah, it's not the poetry part. That, I don't know if you noticed this. It wasn't the poetry part that I had a problem with. It was that, that you're standing in a Christian pulpit endorsing a Muslim, the teachings of a Muslim, which are not Christian. That's the part I had a problem with, not the poetry part. There's beautiful poetry in Scripture. Read the Psalms, right? There's loads of wonderful poetry. I think you missed the point. wasn't worried and bothered that you were quoting a poet, but that you were quoting a Muslim in a Christian pulpit. And in a way, that can be done, but you were doing it in a way where you were actually citing him as speaking truth, and you never did that with Jesus. And that, he says, inevitably results in spiritual tyranny. The tyranny of a people who've lost their poetic nature, who've reduced metaphor to fact, connotation to denotation, a people who have lost any sense of the sacred. Oh, my word. Who's lost the sense of the sacred, guys? Mm, this guy. When I imagine the future of religion, oh, boy. I see something quite different than the current institutional religions of the modern era. I see a religion beyond the tyranny of religious fundamentalism, beyond spiritual ideologies. Oh, okay. Reverend Hubbard, do you not have a spiritual ideology? Are you advancing beyond your own thought processes? Just curious. A religion not of the mind, but of the heart. Spiritual communities who have been freed from the tyrannies of guilt and shame. Oh, you mean freed from God's good and holy law that prepares the way for God's gospel? Are you trying to get to heaven from the side door? Are you trying to get to, to the wedding feast without putting on the wedding garment, Reverend Dr. Hubbard? Are you teaching your people that they can actually get to the banquet they can crash the party without putting on Christ's robe of righteousness? Are you trying to teach them that they don't have to confess their sins, that guilt is, a, is not a good thing? Guilt is a good thing. When the conscience feels guilt, it leads to repentance. Do you not teach repentance in your church? We should feel shame when we commit sins so that we repent of them and run back to the cross. Do you not teach this to your people? I know you don't. I can hear it in what you've said here. I've, I listened to it in a, in a sermon. 
went on and on about all kinds of things and nothing about repentance and turning to Jesus. He says, I see people given for the first time, this is his vision of the future church or the future religion, where he doesn't even have his own spiritual ideology. For the first time in their lives, the freedom of self-expression, the ability to express their true selves in an atmosphere of acceptance, respect, and love. Oh, yeah. Just like the Old Testament. So your vision of the future, future religion, future spiritual ideology is what we've already lived through in the Old Testament. Where, where everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's what you're saying, right? That your vision for the future is just a uh, rejection of God's word where everyone gets to do whatever they want and they think that God's not paying attention. Maybe you should read the book of Judges one more time, sir. I mean, I know you have a master's of divinity and you, and you have a doctorate of some kind. Sir, perhaps you should read Judges like a fifth grader would read it. He says, that is human spiritual liberation, self-expression and all the love, acceptance, gibberish. That is the beloved community that is the body of the living Christ. False. That is a dog poop brownie without a single ounce of chocolate left in it. Christ's chocolate is all gone. That's what that is. That is the kind of church that people say, well, at least he's going to church. That's horrible. Do you see why this riles me up, dear saints? It is not good for our neighbors who leave the Lutheran church, the faithful, confessional Lutheran church, to go sit under false teachers. It is not good. And they may not be as far down the road as, as this guy, Reverend Hubbard. But they don't need to be. False is false. They could be going to a community church where they have a false female pastor giving them prosperity gospel. They could be at any number of LGBTQ mainline churches. They could be going to a, a non-denominational church that's premillennial dispensationalist, and they're, they're teaching them that Israel, the nation state of Israel, is, is what they should be focused on instead of Christ Jesus. There's a thousand ways that they could be, be consuming the dog poop in their brownie we don't want him to take in any of it. Hubbard continues, it is such a spiritual community that I have dedicated my life to creating. That is true. Confessing his guilt. And if that makes me a pagan, he says, if it makes me a heretic and demonic, well, so be it. At least I'm in good company, exclamation point. And there you have it, dear cross-defense listener. Reverend Dr. Lynn Hubbard of the ELCA thinks that hanging out with pagans, heretics, and demons is keeping good company out of his own mouth. What spiritual communities will look like, he says, in the future is not yet clear. However, whatever the future holds for Christianity, one thing is clear. A new spirituality has dawned for the children of this earth. And whatever challenges that will bring about will not be solved by looking to the past 
and trying to reclaim a dead theology, but rather through the creation of a more tolerant, contemplative, and multicultural understanding of the gospel. What? An understanding that was not only present in the life and teachings of Jesus, but is still manifest in the lives of those who follow in the quote-unquote way, those who choose to walk in the humility and the compassion of the Christ. Now, we could talk a lot, dear saints, about the contradictory nature of Pastor Hubbard's reasoning, like how he can poo-poo looking to the past for wisdom, the past where you find Jesus' teachings in Scripture, in one sentence, only to assert his vision of the future of Christianity is in keeping with Christ's teachings in another. How does that work? But the ultimate point here, guys, is that spiritual warfare is real, and there are real consequences to not taking it seriously. This article is a demonstration of precisely why Reverend Walther instructed Christians to flee false teachers. The people sitting under Reverend Hubbard are being led to hell, and when they get there, they will realize when it's too late that they're most certainly not in good company just like the diabetic wishes he wouldn't have kept eating the sugary donut. So now we're almost out of time, so we, we have to get into our inbox. You might recall the words of a listener named Dale from October 14th, 2023. The, the episode was Apologetics for the Nuns, and that was with uh, Reverend Dr. Kuntz. I'll leave the link in the show notes. At the end of the episode, I addressed his comments. And dear saints, give praise to God. I'm thankful to the Lord that this man's heart is not hardened. Dale wrote in again and said, Pastor Bramwell, thank you so very much for responding to my comments. I do need to tell you that I was wrong to make the remarks about you and criticism. I respect you and the work you do very much. I apologize if I offended or hurt you in any way. I humbly ask for your forgiveness. Sincerely, Dale, Dale, it was my humble honor to engage your comments in that episode. And, and friend, I want you to know that I forgive you. Absolutely. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't offended. But I sincerely appreciate the strength of character that you have displayed. And yes, where there is a request for, for forgiveness, it's given. I want to thank you. Thank you, brother, for writing back in. God be merciful to you, dear sir. And may he strengthen your faith in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Christ's peace be with you, Dale, today and forevermore. Friends, <laughs> the Lord of grace isn't done. He's working in our lives. The spiritual warfare that we're in is real, and real soldiers are using their iron to sharpen iron. Back on July 8, 2023, I responded to a pastor who disapproved of my form of battle against the LGBTQ activists. You can see this link to the episode, too, also in the show notes. Well, I am happy to say that pastor actually vacationed out here to Ferndale took in the darkness of my town, tracked me down, visited with me for a little bit, and then wrote me again another email. During his visit, which was the same day as a city council meeting, he expressed that he better understood now why I was taking the line that I'm taking in this good fight of faith. 
right here where God has called me to serve. He agreed with my stance because he saw firsthand how dark of a community Ferndale truly is. And this is what he had to say. Dear Pastor Tyrell, it was a joy to meet and speak with you yesterday amid your busy schedule. Thank you for the conversation. Both my wife and I were deeply moved, and you and St. Mark's are now in my hour daily offices. You are engaged in intense spiritual warfare. Arm daily. Be bold. Be wise. Pray militantly. The devil prowls. How, by the way, did the town meeting go last night? Remember with wisdom and hope that Thomas More won his day in court and was beheaded anyway. Everyone today is Henry VIII in their sensibilities. These enemies, like Henry in the past, want to quote-unquote behead you. I trust you know this. Discernment and discretion without retreat. Thank you, brother. Thank you so very much for the conversation in my study and in this email. Our Lord is good. I long for your prayers. Thank you for, for praying for me that I might grow wiser still. Yes, I believe you're right. I believe they do want to behead me. Although I think they'd just as soon leave off the quotation marks if they could. Christ be with you, friend, and Christ be with all of you. We're out of time. Our God is truly a mighty fortress, dear saints. So thanks be to Jesus that he died on the cross to save us. We'll talk to you next week. See you later. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at kfuo.org.